0: Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human podcast. This is episode 115, and I sat down with Dr. E. Michael Harrington, and he is many things. He's a expert witness in copyright cases. Um, he has worked on cases for Dixie Chicks, Woody Guthrie, Dead Mouse, Lady Gaga. Uh Farrell and uh, Robin Thicke, Tupac Shakur uh Keith urban, and uh, uh, many many many, many, many more. The list is very long. He's a composer, musician, a uh, professor he's he's developed an online uh open source coursing for Berkeley College of Music. I mean this guy who he has created more than thirty university courses including music and social media, stuff about entertainment law. I mean, it, it's nuts, all the things that this guy has <clears throat> accomplished. His, uh, you can see all of that information, in fact, on his website, which is emichaelmusic.com. Um, I'm going to put a link to it on the Hey Human podcast links page. But if you're at a place where you want to look it up right now while you're listening, you can, and there it is. So it's, it's very impressive. Anyway, Michael is a friend of mine from uh, Nashville here, and was very kind enough to agree to sit down and talk with me for an hour. It was really cool because during the episode he plays a series of songs and uh, explains how they are similar. Um, it was really neat. Anyway, in other news, for those of you in Seattle, there is still time to get tickets for my musical show. Not, it's not a musical. <laughs> although that would be really fun. It's music, me performing songs at the Triple Door uh, in Seattle on at 216 Union Street. So if you're anywhere in the Seattle greater Seattle area and uh, you want to come to that show, I hope you do. It's August 6th. Tickets are available at the thetripledoor.net. They're available at the door. And if you go to tickets.thetripledoor.net, you will also find the links for tickets. So please come see me. It would be really fun. Come say hi and, and let me know that you listen to Hey Human. Um, it's going to be a fun night. I'm excited. Gosh, social media stuff, you know, Hey Human podcast. My personal social media stuff is Susan Ruthism. And... I mean, why not promote myself for a second? <laughs> it doesn't hurt, right? If you are into music, you can find my albums at uh, on iTunes. The iTunes. I don't know why I pronounced it like that, but I did. I'm being swarthy. Uh, iTunes has my stuff, and it's under Susan Ruth. Email me at uh, susan at com, And also please use the Amazon portal on the heyhumanpodcast.com website homepage. If you click on that portal and shop Amazon as you normally would, it uh, helps support Hey Human. And speaking of supporting Hey Human, uh, I have posters for sale in the store on the website as well, and that helps support Hey Human. This is all really a listener-funded and me-funded. Really, it's mostly me-funded. And uh, so just like... PBS, I'm I'm doing a drive right now. I'm driving you to be inspired that if you feel like donating to Hey Human podcast, uh, you can do so by uh, shopping with the Amazon portal or actually hitting the donate button on the store page on the website or, you know, getting a poster or a mug or something, you know, every little bit helps. And I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Without further ado, uh, let's get to Michael, and thanks for listening, and thanks for continuing to help it grow. Uh, I say this a lot, but I mean it every single time. I love doing this podcast, and because you keep listening, I get to keep making the podcast, so thank you. All right, here we go. Dr. Michael Harrington, welcome to Hey Human.
1: Well, thank you, Susan. It's great to be here. It's
0: fancy to be able to call you doctor. I'm so used to just calling you Michael.
1: Michael's fine, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But still, it's kind of nice to, you know. Well, thanks, yeah. You worked hard for that, you know. I
1: did, a long time ago. Yeah, I sort of remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If it gets warm in here, I apologize. We're going to be sweating it out. Okay. I had to turn the AC off because it's so loud.
1: Well, it's summer in Nashville. Why should it be...
0: 112 degrees today, yeah, even right. after the rain. Uh, cheers! Thank cheers. you for bringing this oh, lovely yeah, yeah. wine. A Chardonnay. Ding yeah. with Thanks. my plastic wine glasses Are they
1: plastic? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's why it's not a beautiful picture. Hey,
0: nothing but the best for you. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, a doctor coming over.
0: I know. So, Michael, mm-hmm. you and I met at a music conference.
1: Mm, that's right.
0: In uh, Philadelphia, wasn't it? uh Harrisburg. Yeah. And you were giving a. I went up there to be on the panel about um, uh, crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, mm. and you were there on a panel about musicology, and or the legalities of when well, people. Well,
1: one was the thing you saw me was just me.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, but I was. That's right. I was on some other panels there too. But...
0: Yeah. 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 You do a lot of the stuff up at that, that one.
1: Yeah, it's the
0: Millennium Music Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. So, yeah. That's how we met, and you had a very cool class. It was super interesting.
1: Oh,
0: thanks. Um, I remember, one thing that I remember is that you, you played a piece of music, and you said, does this seem like uh, a copyright infringement? Does, and, of course, the room was filled with songwriters, and everyone <laughs> went, yes! Oh, my God, that was on top of this, that, or the other thing. And you said, nope. And we all went, what? <laughs> and you blew our minds with that, with that class. It was wonderful. Oh, um, thanks.
1: So, it's, it's fun stuff. Yeah. And it's a, the more you're in it, the more... I mean, the more you study copyright, the better you know it and the more confused you are. <laughs> they saying. have to go hand in hand. You know? <laughs> that's,
0: that's true. Yeah, and it's
1: And there's crazy. a lot of
0: mythology around copyright as well. Um, for example, I know that it's a lot of people think that if you use 30 seconds of a song, you're legally okay. And... That's not true, actually. But I hear that all the time from people like, oh, you can use 30 seconds of somebody's song. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure that's not true.
1: No, the copyright law doesn't spell out anything like that. Like the number of myths is astonishing. Yeah, I've heard seven notes, four seconds, 10 seconds, three measures, eight chords. I've heard whenever anything comes like that, it's about as true as... Saying you can't get pregnant if, <laughs> like what usually follows. Wait, is what's
0: your list? I know mine is not <laughs> good science.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Let me see. That, drinking
0: Chardonnay, you yeah, get pregnant. Drinking Chardonnay.
1: That's right. No, no. <laughs> Unless the heat goes up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so I had thirty second. one. that's that's pretty generous.
0: That's a long you time. Know. Like I know, like land.
1: like sometimes in print they'll say the two line rule. I discovered what that was about ten years ago. I kept hearing this two-line. As in
0: lyrically two lines.
1: Yeah, you could take you know this line of the song and see it's got forty or fifty lines. Yeah. You know, you take you can take two. Well, that's foolish. Who knows what you can take? That's fair use.
0: Interesting. And fair
1: use is is kind of, it's an affirmative defense to like you've been infringed. You know, you say, well, this is why I why I copied because it's it's a fair use i took a little bit it's for educational purposes or something like that and when to say it's always got to be two is is just silly
0: yeah all right so let's give the listeners what they want okay let's go back uh
1: (laughs) how do they have chardonnay
0: we (laughs) some of of them might have chardonnay Mm -hmm. um some might be listening to Sade. who knows what's going on out there in the world um but you, so let's go back. Your, your degree, first of all, is in...
1: My degrees are in music theory, composition, and I have undergrad degrees in performance as well.
0: And you're you're a big deal because you are a expert witness mm-hmm. in musicology. Describe what that is exactly, because I think a lot of people are like, "What does that mean? You know how to hear a song? What does that mean?"
1: Well, it's yeah, you 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 really need to have degrees, and if you have a doctorate, that's the best you could have. Like, so I have that's that. That's what they you tell me. Go, go all that way, yeah, and you're there to assist the lawyers.
0: Does anyone ever play doctorate, you think, instead of playing doctor?
1: I wonder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell no, me all
0: the things you've read.
1: Who's going to do that? <laughs> well, so so you know, that it has kind of helped them. And to also say, well, hey, these two melodies are the same. Okay, but then I might point to one in 1730 that Bach wrote that's the same.
0: Is so in other open, words, you Is he stealable now? Is oh, he, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah pre, the general, usually, it's pre-1923 mm. if something was created before 1923, it's free.
0: How did you Usually. find out you had an ear for this kind of thing? Because, I mean, you can listen to music and say, like, oh, my God. For example, a classic one is uh, Take the Money and Run, uh, and uh, You Shook Me All Night Long, and Werewolves in London. To me, all sound like the exact same song, which is hmm. different words. Yeah. Personally. Mm-hmm. So how do you become you who can say, oh, well, no, it's not. Well,
1: I... Well, I think you need to have good ears, like I'm a music theorist <clears throat> and composer, so when I'd hear something, okay, for example, in high school, I did something insane. It took me a week, and I did a roughly pretty good job, but I was just naive. I wanted my band to play Stravinsky's uh, um, Petrushka, so I said, well, I guess I could write it out, you know, and it's like, it's of course, it's over my head. I was just a little kid. I hadn't done music for long. And I took a week and pretty much just wrote everything I could of it and learned to play it as best I could. Wow. So in the process, though, my, my hearing got really good. And I've always been, you know, I'm from the school of thought that says, how does that go? Oh, let me play it and let me write it. So I didn't, I didn't, it didn't occur to me there was sheet music. And sheet music's a crutch. Why, don't I, why not just learn how to write music and learn music theory? Hmm. And then when you you learn theory, it's like, oh my God, everything's simple. It makes it much clearer, and it makes connections between styles that seem not connected really connected.
0: Is it true that, I've read that Mozart uh, composed in his head. Oh,
1: all composers do. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that anyone with a composition degree has to be able to compose a great amount of this stuff they're creating in their head. And
0: we're not talking simple just a piano line, or we're talking strings and, and timpanies and all the things that make up, it's pretty phenomenal to, right. to do that in your brain pan.
1: Well, but that's the, the thing is, once you learn music theory, and you learn like, wait, this is just this. And then to learn the idea that a motive, a melody, is just a few notes, now invert it. Now play it again, now play it faster, now throw a couple things in, embellish it a bit. Once you think that way, then it's just, it's easy. It's like, how in the world does someone write a 600-page novel quickly? And it's because With they monkeys. have like Yeah, <laughs> well, but you know, they'll sketch and They'll have their tricks. Yeah, And sure. so it, the th- theory to me is like the tricks, and it's the nuts and bolts. It, it just makes it so much clearer, and you start to understand, oh, that's just this, and oh, that's just this.
0: So did you know when you went to school for this that it would eventually become what? Made you an expert witness?
1: Oh, no, not at all.
0: (laughs) Okay. Did you fall into that? I I
1: completely fell into it, yeah.
0: how did that happen?
1: Well, being in Nashville helped. And I came here, um, I was teaching at a university, and I was able to create a class every semester from scratch, so most semesters I did, which was a ton of research, like, okay, I want to do music of the Caribbean, well, I better buy every Caribbean CD I can, and transcribe it all, and yeah. learn the anthropology of the people, and all that stuff.
0: Did you also get Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is like Michael Jackson, and <laughs> but um, yeah, so I started. I started doing all that, and I had the doctorate, and I was teaching all these courses, so I looked to lawyers who want an expert witness, like, the perfect person because I can kind of break it down simply so a jury could understand mm-hmm. and I have the the doctoral degree and experience so it eventually I used to always say no when they'd call me but this one time I remember the woman was really really nice and polite and just wanted to meet with me and so I went ahead with it and I, the next thing I know it was against Billy Ray Cyrus <clears throat> and he just had icky breaky heart as the like world's biggest hit so I, I didn't even know who was who. She played this song, song A, and then played song B. And I, all I, I could tell, song A came first, like 70s, and I could tell song B was 90s. And I thought, well, that's a copy, the same notes from beginning to end. So she asked, do you really feel that way? I said, yeah. And what would you, how would you go about, I think she was asking me, like, what would you do next? I said, I guess write a report explaining it, why it's similar. And then she tells me she's on the side suing, Billy Ray Cyrus. And next thing I know, I'm, I, I write the report. And then I start getting calls from like American Journal and uh, <laughs> CNN and Billboard. And just, I've been interviewed constantly within just a few days of writing my report.
0: Wow. What was the so, song that was.
1: It was a song by a guy named Danny Moat. And it was, uh, his song was called Crying Eyes. And Cyrus's song was called She's Not Crying Anymore. And I think
0: that if they're going to copy something, they would at least...
1: <laughs> well, you know, you don't know if it's uh, intentional or not. It's
0: So how do you prove intent versus not? intent Oh, you don't
1: have to prove intent. Oh, you don't? No, that doesn't matter. So
0: it can it can just be something that came out of the ether for the person, the second writer. Yeah. Uh, and like the person B, I guess, not the second writer, but person B, maybe never even heard person A's song, but... Well, then what
1: th- Well, actually, you have to this, here's what you have to know first is you have to be able to say that you had access to copy someone's song, Did so he? Billy Ray Cyrus would have had to have a reasonable likelihood of having heard it, having had access to it. It seemed like, as I recall with that one, I think the guy hand it got air, radio airplay in the south ah and he hand delivered it to record labels and publishers, yeah. So it seemed It's
0: tricky. There's a reasonable. lot of uh, stealing of songs. We are, we're in a town where that is a little rampant, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But maybe every town is like that. That is a music town.
1: It could be. I, I kind of see it's mostly accidental. Mm-hmm. And it just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, something sounds good. And If you play uh, a C chord and next you go to an F... Well, okay, that's kind of like normal. Yeah. So part of it's just we're, we're repeating cliches. They just happen to be with pitches instead of words. Right. But the words repeat too. You know? So if
0: you so. have somebody like Prince, for example, who played a zillion instruments, mm-hmm. probably not a lot of lawsuits against him because his brain is firing on all cylinders when it comes to music. And he's really creating something extraordinary.
1: Well, I think he also goes beyond just being a, a pop songwriter. I think he was doing motivic work, mm. like a la Beethoven. I would, I would say, listen to the album My Name is Prince, or that song in, where he came out with that, and start to well, analyze the song My Name is Prince. It's motivic. He's Me. got these, well, he'll take these strands, these little melodies that are really short, and he'll start to lengthen them. He'll play them backwards. Mm-hmm. He'll reverse them. Or even in Let's Go Crazy, it's on the pitch three three four four three three four it does that and that just barely it barely moves away from it like other people think of you know what a guitarist normally does is he has eight seconds to play he wants to play every note ever written <laughs> yeah you know just shred like crazy um, and Prince is saying no' has a melody he has a motive and just sparingly do it
0: he likes That's, space yeah yeah
1: in space what you don't play is usually more important than what you play
0: I agree with that 100 you know? percent yeah always agreed with that. And same with painting; that's what you don't paint.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I think. Oh, I think the great analogies and comparisons between visual and yeah. musical. You know.
0: Yeah. So you were just a part of a huge case. That can you talk about it? That the, the Marvin Gaye and uh, blurred lines. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that yeah. that's something that a lot of people heard about. It was a humongous deal.
1: It's still going on.
0: The estate of Marvin Gaye suing Pharrell and um, and Robin Robin Thicke over Mm -hmm. blurred lines. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Sure.
1: I was not in it initially, Um, but I got to meet Howard King, who is the attorney for Pharrell and Robin Thicke. He's a brilliant, brilliant, incredible lawyer. He's been Metallica's lawyer and uh, just all kinds of, he's a major player in the country and we're on a panel together and he really liked what I had to say ends up we'd been on opposite sides in a case and I didn't even know it which one uh, it was in uh what was it uh, this is how we do the, the 50 cent in the game that one mm-hmm. that's right. another set of stories there 50
0: cent in the game yeah. yeah and
1: how it said in, this is the Beverly Hills Bar Association it was their a big entertainment event of 2016 they had four uh, three lawyers and me on this panel for a couple hours and and um, Yeah, Howard said, "Yeah, that's why you beat us because of you." He's he's like praising me. I thought, "What?" I said, "It was in New York." He said, "No, it was in L.A. too." I said, "I'd been living in New York when that case went on." Okay. Anyway, so Howard liked me what I had to say. So then then I get involved in the appeal, and I kind of didn't even want to. I remember one day it was
0: because they lost initially, right? Marvin Gaye's estate won initially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
1: it's the worst decision ever. It is the dumbest most horrendous. It sets back creativity. It scares the, the hell out of composers, publishers, mm-hmm. songwriters. It's a terrible decision. But the way I got involved initially was um, I, I started getting all these texts and congratulations one day when I was teaching. It was August 30 of 2016, I think. And suddenly, I what am I being congratulated about? And then finally I take a break in the class. And uh, the Hollywood Reporter puts this big story about... 212 musicians have filed a friend of the court brief saying how bad a decision that was. And then they're citing for authorities, me. <laughs> and they went to my blog post. They went to um, a, a, an article written by two Berkeley professors where they interviewed me. It's all about that. Yeah. And some other thing I did that, I'm you know, suddenly I'm the outside authority, and they're quoting me. I thought, oh, my God, that's cool. And then I sat here from more people, and then a, a great lawyer in L.A. Uh, called me. said, would you like to co-author an amicus brief? A uh, friend of the court, in other words, but from the point of view of musicologists and lawyers. So um, I got involved that way.
0: Are you a lawyer as well? No, no, okay. no oh. God, no. Mm-mm. Thought maybe you had another
1: no, degree no. piled I, up I, on
0: l- all your degrees. I
1: love law, yeah. and I, I, I think I could, you know, I could I could get into law school and I could I could become a lawyer. But if I did that, it would really it wouldn't make sense to do both because right now I never have a conflict of interest.
0: Actually uh, I was gonna say it probably would silly the water a little Yeah. Bit. yeah. I mean
1: I, I can work for and against any record label because I'm just the outsider guy. Yeah. But if you're an attorney and you're for Sony, you're never gonna be able to be against Sony. So because you know stuff, you Have know? you
0: been, so you've, well, obviously, because you were just talking about that other case. So you've been, you've sat on either side of, of every aisle. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. depending on the case. Yeah. I always
1: get a kick out of it when lawyers ask me, you know, do you, do you have a conflict? I Right away, say no. They said but you haven't heard what I had to say. But then they'll say something that, that, sometimes it could be. For example, I'd get a call one day, and sometimes just a few hours away. And the person who contacts me, I don't agree with their... Their, their position, then the other side I agree with calls me. Mm. And then it's questionable. Can I really be with them or not? Interesting. It's not quite, it's gray. That's something lawyers have to decide. And, and then there's different rules per, uh, in, in, this, in what part of the, what court you're in, what part of the country. Oh. Because we're in the Sixth Circuit here. Okay. So sampling here, if you sample you're, you, without, you know, you think it's fair use, I'm going to take a snippet and you won't be able to hear it. In the Sixth Circuit, where we are in Nashville, you're in huge trouble. In California, it's okay. It's the opposite. Because yeah, of, but
0: music is everywhere. It's global. How is it? Well, <laughs> it has to do with creation, then? Where well, you?
1: Yeah, I mean, what happens is that it's federal court. There's three levels of court. There's district court. There are 94 districts. We're, there's three in Tennessee, western, middle, and eastern. We're in middle. And then so if we have a case here, that's the district court. You appeal to the circuit, and our circuit is the 6th. Okay. Okay, then after that, the Supreme Court. So we had a court case here involving uh, George Clinton's music, and they sampled this little guitar lick NWA did, and it was so obscured and hidden. Like, no one can hear it unless you point it out to someone. And Judge Higgins here in in Nashville said that, it's a, uh, that the, it was not copyright infringement. He said the sample does not rise to the level of a legally cognizable appropriation. He said even fans of George Clinton's music couldn't hear it. And he was so correct. But then the other side can appeal. And they did. They appealed it from here, Middle District of Tennessee, to the Sixth Circuit, the, court, the actual courthouses in Cincinnati, because the covers of Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, maybe Indiana, and Tennessee... And that court said, if you want a sample, get a license. Just like they didn't give a damn about fair use.
0: Interesting.
1: So now California, the same set of circumstances, pretty much the same, um, took place. And that court said, no, that's fair use. Because what they, what they sampled was not even original. This, it involved Madonna. Madonna, her soul, her, her soul uh, she, she <laughs> took from Sal Soul and um, the, it was what, the her song Vogue. There's uh-huh. a few little horn, three horn hits. And she sampled them without permission. And the court said, okay, this, the chords are not original, uh, aren't copyrightable. And nor is the sound recording containing them copyrightable. Because the, the key word in the 140,000 words of the copyright law, the most important word is original. So if it's not original, it's not it's free to take.
0: Well, couldn't one argue that since the moment of birth and you start hearing music that... I mean, you could trace music all the way back you know you could go all back to you know i had a um, a lovely woman on the show pat hodge and she was talking about the african talking drums mm-hmm. you know which is, is in and of itself is a language you know so now fast forward all these years and go through blues go through rock go through led zeppelin who stole everything you know like how do you <laughs> do you know what i mean like oh, how yeah. do you how do you go oh there's where it started or the difference between homage. Mm-hmm. And a oopsie daisy, and a blatant—it's clear that I stole this from something.
1: Well, I mean, you—you're asking the the great questions. I mean, they—they—they they shouldn't be as hard to answer as they are. But when you have a lame decision, a terrible one, like blurred lines, I mean, that's the first decision in history where no melody was copied—not even close. And by melody, it was I mean a feeling,
0: right? They said yeah, it was, it was a feeling. Feeling, which is to me. That's insane! How do you how do you copyright a feeling?
1: Well, th- okay. I mean,
0: it is Marvin Gaye, but still. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: still, but but all it is it's it's if anything it's deference. But you know, if you don't take any melody, the chords are much different. You're not taking the same chord progression. There's no rhythmic feature that's the same. No lyrics are copied. There's no sampling. It's a terrible decision. In the Ninth Circuit, when they heard it there, th- what happens when it goes to the Circuit Court? They usually have three justices listen. That way you're going to get an opinion. You won't get a tie. Yeah. And so two justices let it just say, well, let it be kind of, they, they didn't have much to say. They said the process, the procedure was correct. And they just kind of kicked the ball. They, they paid no attention to the issues. The third judge, Judge Noyan, from about page 56 on, destroys what they wrote and destroys the expert witnesses for the gay side. oh, she goes after him like mad, like we had in our amicus brief. I mean, I think she was being influenced by us. And it was really cool. She said, (laughs) her first sentence, she made me look soft-spoken. She said, this court has given something to the gay family that they hadn't looked for and no one's ever had before. And she said, copyright in a style.
0: Yeah. That's
1: a brutal thing to say. And she's right.
0: So why did it get judged the way it did then?
1: There were mistakes in some... Bad things occurred in the process. like Because what you're doing at the end, you're, you're not dealing with, like, let's take eight normal people. You want normally ordinary person on the street to be in the jury. You don't take eight PhDs in music or something. You want it to be normal people. So they're going to judge everything based on their impressions of people also. And no matter how much, how cool Pharrell Williams seems in his deposition, he seemed awful. It was videotaped, and uh, they even set him up a couple trap questions, and he fell for them. Mm-hmm. And he showed his temper.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. a lot of people, if you've never been deposed, it, you know, <laughs> you, you're going to be... The other side's been gunning for you and preparing for months. And one, one thing they always try to do, and the, the lawyers will never admit this, but I'm, I can say this because I want to be truthful. They're out to destroy you psychologically. If they can get at you, they will. And I've seen uh, people on the sand cry, or you know, just get just blow up and get angry. So they got under his skin, and he had the best lawyer, Howard King. Said, "We're taking a break, <laughs> <had to> <laughs> get him
0: yanking out of here. him
1: out of there." Yeah, to calm they him down. They didn't
0: prep him for all that, huh?
1: Well, knowing Howard King, I would think he did. But um, I mean, I don't know the exact process. How I imagine how many the people...
0: frustration though that that he was going. I just it's it was so. It did seem really ridiculous to argue a feel. I know, yeah. Because that's a you know, I read a lot of articles about it at the time. And I thought, how can, how is that a thing?
1: Well, there's one other funny thing that happened. I remember um, they at the panel at Beverly Hills Bar. They had you know Mark and Howard and me, and then came um, another Howard. Oh no, no that was Henry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Henry Gradstein. And then they get to Howard, and the woman moderating it said, "Well, Howard." She, I'm kind of recalling, it was something like, well, what the hell happened? How did you lose this? And his first response was hysterical. The big smile, he says, well, you don't lie to Oprah. Someone had, one of them had said, I don't know if it was thick. It might have been thick. I'm going to go with thick. Yeah, it's probably like him. He,
0: he said some pretty weird things along the way. Well, among
1: other I things, he said weird. I was stoned all year. Yeah, he, was, he kind <laughs> of threw.
0: Stuff. I felt he threw Pharrell under the bus a few times. I he, really do. He, he was like, "Oh, I was barely in the room for the right," you know, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, "Wow."
1: I started to read that, there, that stuff I, when, and I just, when it
0: was a huge hit. He was like, "Yeah, yeah I wrote a bunch of it." And then when the one trouble ensues, he's like, "Oh, That's what? Him. That wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. That was that other guy."
1: Yeah. So I guess I guess he must have said something we were inspired by. By Marvin Gaye, then another time saying, Who? Marvin, who? Or it, it, I don't know Marvin enough about Hugh. it, but it was kind of, <laughs> you know. Oh,
0: my Lord.
1: But, but if you're a public figure and you're speaking in public, especially to Oprah,
0: <sighs> don't and let it's Oprah.
1: televised, you, know, yeah. like, you don't lie to Oprah. It was, it was hysterical.
0: Yeah. It's like,
1: that's how it began. Yeah. And then he got into what was going wrong. I mean, some of the technical things. First, the, the, the expert witnesses for the gay side, um, Used they transcribe music from the sound recording, and that's not what is registered with the copyright office because it was registered in seventy seven and the and the sound recordings were not protected then, so it's supposed to be based on the sheet music and they oh, didn't do that interesting so technically, they're at fault and that's wrong, and that shouldn't have been allowed in
0: that doesn't create a mistrial or anything
1: well, not I don't they filed they filed something about it. I don't know what happened I think. They started to get, like, change. Well, they can base it on this, but they then have to do some other things with it. It was kind of, it was screwy. And also, the way they transcribed it, we thought, was really wrong and yeah. misleading. You're trying to make it look like they were identical when they weren't.
0: So when a case like this goes in the favor of, uh, that, of a feeling, mm-hmm. um, as you said, it sent a ripple through the music industry. because <laughs> All of us who are creatives are inspired by a feeling, by a tone, or a whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not blatantly copying most of the time. I think. Yeah. Um, but certainly, we are a product of all of our influences.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: So if suddenly, th- that means <clears throat> you're in in air. Er- you know. I, oh, it's awful! It I'm me- stumbling over my words. I'm just well. wasn't so flabbergasted <laughs> by the idea of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it means that more way more people are nervous about writing and i'm getting more and more calls now to say before we release this would you listen wow you know to say is it too much like this and i mean i get that stuff anyway before this case happened but now much more of that
0: well that begs the question then if you if you have that thought then why not change it from the get-go and also why use a sample of something where it is so buried that only your subconscious mind is picking it up. Why not just do something original then?
1: Well, yeah, I know. Well, part of it's the, what goes into sample and the idea of what it can bring back. It's, it's like, you know, like a reference, you know... It, Artists, visual artists, do this. I mean, look at look at tomato soup cans in Warhol, or sure. or found art in in other painters. You know, they do that, and well, that's Banksy considered.
0: uses other yeah. people's art as an incorporation, right? And then how do you, what happens? It's like a weird Alliancavix, for example.
1: Well, what? his his is different. He he doesn't do parody. He does satire for the most part. And what he does is say, you know, I want to I want to take your song and make, make use it for funny lyrics. I'm gonna. This everything's the same, but the lyrics gonna be about a different subject. You know, and does he it, have beat to get it becomes eat it. Yes,
0: he does. Okay, but
1: what in his case, he's just a unique force of nature. He's got you know nonstop people coming to him all the time to say, please do mine. Yeah. and they usually split it 50-50, and it's it's a wonderful, cool act. He like did. That. I
0: read somewhere, I can't remember it for the life of me, the artist now, but he wanted to do one on someone that said, no way, no how. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember who the artist oh. was, but. He has been turned down.
1: Yeah, I bet it would well, be. Well, it might have often. been Prince. Oh, that could be. Yeah. It might have
0: been Prince, now that I think about it.
1: <laughs> Prince did take things seriously in a lot of places. Did and... you meet him? No. 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 He,
0: he...
1: Well, I've been this close to him, but I think we... Yeah, but it was just like a hello thing. It was not... Yeah. So I didn't really meet him. Yeah. I've done a ton of analysis of his music.
0: Mm-hmm. For, and, for teaching, you mean,
1: Yeah, and for, for, to present. In fact, the Minnesota Historical Society had sent me something, say if I was going to be interested in coming up there for a while and doing some work on his, I think that I was going to be sponsored or something. But I didn't want to work that hard on one person. I wanted to teach classes and do the other stuff I do.
0: In your opinion, who do you think are some of the most original songwriters of maybe our time and maybe some previous generations?
1: Oh, I don't know. There's, there's plenty. Um, well, I think I can think of like Don Schlitz, uh, <laughs> famous country.
0: songwriter. Yeah,
1: I worked in one of his where he got sued. It was foolish. Um, and that
0: happens a lot. In fact, songwriters oh, yeah. have an insurance against you know Joe Blow in Kansas saying I wrote mm-hmm. that song. You oh. know, well, and I rem- a lot of times it's erroneous, and they just are trying to get money for a settlement or whatever.
1: Well, I remember when when I first got involved in, in '93 with uh, it was. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, and it was she's not crying anymore. But I then had ten different, ten different individuals or lawyers, sometimes both, contacted me about achy breaky hat, and so I
0: saying that somebody stole that he stole it from other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So I ended up just I remember I got an achy breaky uh, dishwasher and I got an achy breaky refrigerator and achy. You know I kept getting like I'd, I'd charge him for my time and like no it's not. You know, Because so, you
0: can't copyright a title, first of all.
1: Right. Well, it wasn't that they were telling the title. The music was similar. Oh. But it's just... That's like a public domain song. It's... da 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 What's that? It's a Polly Doodle or something. Oh, yeah.
0: Polly Doodle You know, it's, it's sort of that. Oh, that's so crazy. You know, it,
1: it's kind of... Um, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. I
0: remember... Uh, so, I worked with Skip Ewing when I first moved to town. I uh, was his personal assistant. And... Uh, and we had this conversation one day about his... He had a hit song called Someone Else's Star. And he said, I'll let you in on a little secret. I said, what's that? And he sat down on the piano, and he played the intro to that song. He said, does that sound familiar to you? I said, weirdly, reminiscent of something. And then he played it the opposite direction, and it was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you play it backwards? He, uh-huh. played
0: it, but he played it backwards and wrote the whole song based on that.
1: Oh, neat. Isn't yeah, that funny? Yeah. I mean, that's a... And Eric Common and The Raspberries, He am Never Gonna Fall in Love Again, and All By Myself, yeah. those two big hits. Those sure. are both middle movements of huge pieces by Rachmaninoff. Isn't
0: that interesting? Yeah, he
1: just said <clears throat> he said words to him. They didn't have words.
0: Yeah, there was a big uh, case, I, I want to say maybe eight or nine years ago, the one, um, it was Lady Annabellum being sued.
1: Oh, Alan Parsons? Alan
0: Parsons, and Alan Parsons won, I think think, did he not?
1: I would think it, I I don't think it went far, I think it settled. It did, okay. I never heard and of that he being a trial up, or anything. He ended
0: up get, becoming a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Miranda Lambert, uh, Kerosene, She Steve Earle is now a songwriter on that song, because uh-huh. talk about word for word. Yeah. I mean, it's right on top of that.
1: Yeah, well, things get into your head and, and they accidentally sure. come and out and you don't you even forget. know
0: about yeah. you. So, what is your process when you sit down... And and you need to pick apart two songs to see how similar or dissimilar they are. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for then? Are you
1: well, it, especially if no one's told me what side or any which thing? Is that what I'll, you
0: prefer? You know, no, yeah, one, I prefer
1: I'll... be blind. Yeah, you know, and um, because that way you can't say, well, you got approached by so and so, and you know, like I worked for the Dixie Chicks, and I knew what that was about. It couldn't really be hidden, but there are there are times when you know they're both famous and. Hmm, you know, so what I do is I like what's sticking out to me, you know, is it a certain pattern like I, the, which, what's this melody thing? Are there certain chords that stick out? Uh, what makes it original? And can I relate it to something? And, and you can always relate what you're hearing if it's popular in any popular idiom, you can relate it to something you've already heard. Yeah. So that's easy. And I do tons of that. I, I have then maintained a database, well, three databases of examples. So I can find a lot of melodies in places. And, and
0: you go back really far.
1: Oh, yeah. 1600s, 1500s. Yeah.
0: And then it's, <laughs> it's no big deal, right? Because, yeah. like, well, if this was in the 1600s, all, all bets are off.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Because, it, cause, okay, like B is copying from A, but A copied from you know, he- Franz Joseph Haydn or Mozart or
0: sure. just
1: Waldo. Probably not just Waldo, but, you know, something older.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay. I think
1: that's public domain then, you know.
0: Have you ever seen the the four, the Axis of Awesome, that band? And they have a song called Four Chords. And they play about 30 or 40 <laughs> pop hits, number one hits, all using these four chords. And they just sing right through all of these songs. I
1: think I've seen that. And, and I've got a bunch of those too. Like one of the great ones is Pachelbel's Canon.
0: Yeah, sure. Which I
1: could play examples of. It's Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I think
0: our, that was one that you did in the class. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it, it's the Bee Gees have done it. Beck has done it. Blues Traveler, uh, Green Day, um, just t- uh, uh, Vitamin C, and it's just.
0: So, do we want to just hear the same song over and over and over again? It seems like it's a it's a comfort thing for the mind to go. Oh, that's familiar. Nostalgia music. When, uh, for example, uh, Eric Church, my home. Uh, uh, what was it? I think it was called uh, my hometown. Is that right?
1: I don't uh, I I'm bad with titles. Me too. So let
0: escaped me. Well, I was just talking about this song the other day so I want to get it right. But um but I'm not going to. So we'll move on. But Eric Church he had this song and the first time I heard it, I thought, "Man, this reminds me of um, Life in a Northern Town." Uh, do you know that song? And I might it, if I heard but it. But it was not so. it wasn't lyrically, it wasn't melodically Again, it just had that feeling. And oh, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this feels like that song. And, and so I immediately liked it because I loved that other song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like the brain does that to us.
1: Well, you know, a lot of things go into, it's not just hearing the melody harmony in lyrics, but the tempo of it, the instrumentation, how loud it is. I mean, if you start to have all these other factors similar, like for okay, I, I learned this years ago that if you just give almost anything to an ensemble of bagpipes, the Nirvana and Stravinsky sound the same.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: just because it's bagpipes. You know, and and that can happen. Kurt Cobain too.
0: just rolled over, over right. in, like, <laughs> yeah. in his grave. <laughs> no, so actually, he'd probably appreciate that. Like. Oh, you know, I think he would.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first time I heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit," I'm in this cool show. Uh, I got interviewed by a company, and they did they did a series called songs that changed the world called impact i think it's called colon songs that changed the world and they would do a 30-minute show on smells like teen spirit i want to hold your hand Mm -hmm. i shot the sheriff uh respect by aretha uh, otis redding actually but uh they would i remember i got interviewed about smells like teen spirit and I said a bunch of things. And at one point I said, you know, to me it's just a beautiful melody that, that seems like it could have been written, you know, by Beethoven and plays There's da, a
0: lot dee, of great
1: videos. Yeah. And so they have me saying that and then they flash the next frame and who's saying the same thing but Tori Amos.
0: <laughs> oh, I love Tori Amos.
1: Yeah, we're in the we're in the video back to back. It's uh, a step it was saying the same her thing. Her
0: melodies are cool. I mean yeah, just,
1: she's mm-hmm.
0: just intricate and beautiful yeah but, i mean math rock is like that to me like um uh rush or something prog rock mm-hmm. or uh, i had a, a a bass player in my band way back uh lizzie Damont. shout out lizzie and uh <laughs> spock's beard and rush all these uh like, yes all these bands that she loved so much so we would listen to these bands you know and we'd drive down the, the road in the van or whatever mm-hmm. and, um they were a lot more complicated you, the music than the traditional yeah pop song, mm-hmm. but that's what made it great. You know. Oh sure. Yes, it's a great band. Oh yeah. So is the I, Fix. I like the Fix a lot too. Mhm. But you don't hear a lot of bands like that anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you even know like what's the what's popular anymore because it's it's so fractured i mean there's so many ways to get music yeah in older days there was am and fm right. and am had so few good stations fm had more but like you didn't have thousands and thousands of choices mm-hmm. and now you know we have phones that are loaded yeah. and, and we have uh spotify and everything else i know there's just there's so much like you couldn't have a beatles event it could never happen again because, how do you release music at that rate? Mm-hmm. And how can any one cultural entity take over when there's great movies coming out, there's great games? There's just too much stuff going on. Yeah,
0: it's you know, overwhelming.
1: It's, there's no longer a scarcity of stuff coming out like was, there was. I was
0: in the gym the other day working out, and uh, there was a, So, the music going on at the gym is uh, it's mostly hip hop and rap. Mm hmm. It's really motivating, you know, it's got a, that beat just keeps you working out and all this stuff going on. But if you focus in on the lyric, I remember turning to my friend, I said, did somebody, did that guy just sing about making barbecue in the kitchen? And he said, I think so. I said, oh my God, <laughs> but it's not about the lyric. You it? needed a
1: rhyme somewhere. I so. mean,
0: I guess. It was just, I, I'm amazed as a songwriter, I am amazed at what passes as songs, but then again... I think in some of the music, it's not about the lyric at all. It's just about the, the beat or the thump or the, you know, the, all the feeling going on.
1: Mm-hmm. I think also, like in hip hop, there's just, so, often there are so many words. Yeah. And, and the way you can remember something is through repetition. So, okay, there's the chorus again. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. You need some type of hook. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's how do you create so much stuff and all of it can't be good? So suddenly comes the part about the barbecue. Yeah, you know, in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> I remember when I was in my band and uh, we'd be rehearsing, and I would say something like, uh, "You know, to the to the guys, it's like, okay, come in when I say blah 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 blah." And they're like, "When do you say that?" I said, "We've done this song a thousand times. How do you not know what the words are?" And they're like, "We don't listen to the words." <laughs> <I'm> like,
1: Wow. <laughs> well, Ouch. <laughs> I, when I was like, I, I was performing all the time in high school, like out live, and I'm playing songs that I, well, I, I also got very adventurous like early. Like Frank Zappa, Stravinsky, we are trying to do that kind of stuff. And John McLaughlin, Mahavish New Orchestra, Weather Report, we were aiming that way. But in the other times when I had a band and I had to sing songs, and i say, oh, damn, what are these stupid words? What are they saying? I don't know. So i put them <laughs> on my my arm, you know, or something. It's like, oh, yeah, you got to, mm, you Because know? <laughs> so they funny. didn't mean a thing to me. <laughs> Like, I came to words later.
0: We did Psycho Killer in my band, and uh, we always Qu'est-ce made. You say? Yeah, we always made Jess sing the French. Because we're like, what's <laughs> going on? We don't know. Go ahead, yeah. You do that part. <laughs>
1: that, that's, that was such a. Our first time I heard that song, I'm thinking, oh, that's just so cool.
0: It's so cool. That's
1: such an original moment. I, again, around, a yeah. great
0: uh, original band. Mm-hmm. Art, Art, Art House, what would you call that music?
1: Well, they were calling it New Wave because it was cleaned up punk. You know, yeah. which was at that time.
0: Okay. But yeah,
1: there were better names. and
0: Yeah. A Do you listen to music on your off times or are you just trying for silence? I, I when don't you're know that I road? have
1: off times. <laughs> I mean, I'm always working on something that's yeah. related to music. Like right now, I'm creating three, three classes for Berkeley, and one of them um, has forced me on my own. I, I, I want to listen to some Taylor Swift, I want to see what lyrics she's trademarking and why, and what she's doing with them.
0: She's trademarking Lyric?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What's What's the one? uh, uh, Oh, that's right. Sick sick Beat? She
0: wanted to... I remember reading something about this. There were some things she wanted to trademark, and people were sort of poking fun, because they were very colloquial it was just random sort of slang yeah. that everybody uses, and that she wanted to trademark it seemed ostentatious at best.
1: No, no, no. I think it's a good thing because she—it's not saying it has more copyright protection. It's saying I want to put shirts. With no, I knew these it. Things.
0: I know what it's saying. I'm saying it oh. seems a little over the top to suddenly claim nah. that it's yours when it's not necessarily hers. But people have been saying it forever.
1: It is on clothing and on merchandise. Right. No, That's where that. you have to do it. Sure. No, the point I'm making in the course will be: Can you say? The sick beat. Can you take any of her trademarked lyrics and sing them or or use them in your song or base your song around a trademark of hers? And I'm saying, of course you can, because her trademark is protecting this stuff on games and services and on other things that's listed in the trademark. If you go to the USPTO website, there's the stuff that's how how she's going to use it, but not as a lyric. The sick, is what's it called? Able, sick, I don't know. Is
0: she able to trademark a lyric? Yeah. That seems... Portions. See, that just seems to me so strange. You don't have a trademark on the English language.
1: No, but you do when it comes to like a business, just like just like a, a good neighbor, a state farm is there. Yeah,
0: sure. I so get that's that. what it is. Okay. It, it's
1: saying it's, it, it's going to be identified with her and she's going to sell it as merchandise.
0: Yeah. But she... It doesn't give
1: her more protection copyright wise.
0: But if I let's just say I'm Taylor Swift and I write a lyric like, um, uh, baby, you broke my heart in six ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I say, "Okay, I want to trademark that and throw it on a shirt because it's, you know, interesting or Mm -hmm. something Um, because I'm Taylor Swift and I can and I have, you know, leagues of of fans. And Mm -hmm. um, then does that mean that. Bob Smith in Kansas, who's sitting at his desk trying to write a song, and he says, Baby you broke my heart in six places, and blah, blah, blah. Then he, he can be sued? No. Suddenly? No,
1: he can use it in his song fine. Okay. But he can't sell the same clothing and merchandise, whatever.
0: Okay. And
1: she'll have a font and color associated with it, I'm sure. And I get
0: that. I mean, so all you Taylor Swift fans, please don't troll me. I mean, I get what she's doing. I'm just trying to understand if that means that then other people can't use the English language. No,
1: no. It's not that at all. In fact, I would encourage people. to. She's not the person to say, first person. I I did a little bit of research on this. Uh, Sick Beat comes up well before... She's yeah, not the first imagine. to say it. No, of course And in that song, Shake It Off, she just briefly mentions it. So it's interesting she'd want to trademark those three words. That, uh, Shake it off? No, no. Oh, uh, oh, the, sick the sick beat or something. Beat. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess that's important to her. So
0: Yeah, but if she's not the first person, you don't have to have a precedent then in a trademark.
1: No. She's not s- it's the first to use it in... In a
0: t-shirt or something.
1: Yeah, in, in, um, to be associated with you in your one of your new products or something. Mm-hmm. But as as a lyric, nah, you can... Um, you can't say we all live in a yellow submarine. I mean, boy, that's not No, nobody's going to put
0: that in a song. Unless you're saying, because I've written songs where, as a reference point, um, for example, I have a song that I wrote with Kanan Smith called Runaway Highway. And one of the lines in it is, Johnny Cash is singing Sunday morning coming down. Right. Yeah. But that's a reference to something. It's not me taking the. Do you know what I mean? So it's,
1: you're saying Sunday morning coming down. I or say like
0: Sunday it? morning coming down, but I'm saying in the song it says Johnny Cash is singing. In this, in the, mm-hmm. in the, this, the song is about a person driving. The woman is falling asleep. They're trying to escape their shitty life and they're going to a better life. And as they're driving along, they're listening to Johnny Cash on the radio and. In one pre-chorus, Johnny Cash is singing Sunday Morning's Coming Down, and another, uh, Johnny Cash is singing Yesterday is, is, is Dead and Gone, mm-hmm. right? So the only two where I'm literally using a lyric from those songs, one of Chris Christopherson, I'm not sure who wrote the other one. Um, but it's not me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it,
1: it, it's, it's... And uh, people do that
0: all the time, you yeah. know? It's and you
1: should be able to, you yeah. shouldn't be sued over it.
0: Right. Please don't sue me.
1: That's why (laughs) section one hundred seven of the copyright law is fair use. Yeah. It says you can copy from other people, but what's your reason for it? Especially if it's short.
0: Right, it and for me, an I feel like if I was trying to pretend like I wrote it, that would be one thing, but I'm not. I'm literally saying Johnny Cash says it, right. and then Johnny Cash is saying it because Chris Christopherson wrote it.
1: Well, if you got sued, I'd be your expert witness. Thank you. That's love. the goofiest damn thing ever, you know?
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to sue me. But I'm yeah, no. that, at least. Maybe. But people yeah. do
1: sue all the such stuff.
0: I, well, you know what? Oh, I remember word. one time, Dave Berg, who's an exceptional songwriter here in Nashville, um, he's written tons of, of big hits, and I remember... After some somebody tried to sue him for something, somebody in the middle of America tried to sue him for like Stupid Boy or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's Keith Urban, big big smash song mm-hmm. that uh, he wrote with, um, it was Dave Berg and Deanna Bryant and uh, Sarah Buxton wrote that song.
1: I know Sarah. Yeah, she's yeah. very talented. Yeah. And
0: uh, anyway, so they wrote the song Stupid Boy and <laughs> I remember Dave, and, and I'm not positive that was the song, but I, I feel like that was the song that somebody was trying to claim they had written. It's a genius song, first of all, but they've said something to the effect of, man, you know you've made it when someone's trying to see you for a song you've written. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, I guess so.
1: Oh, I know. No, it's, it's, there are so many times, you know, someone like Spielberg, whenever he puts out any film, there's going to be a few hundred Sure. You know, oh, I have a script where aliens come to Earth and they're friendly, you know. It's not understanding the difference between There's here's... so
0: many tropes. Well,
1: right. Well, here's the big thing, what people don't get, and it takes a while to get this in someone's head, is that copyright protects the expression of an idea, but it doesn't protect the idea. What does that mean? Okay, so, here's an example. A good friend of mine, a late, the late lawyer Bob Sullivan, one of the greatest people ever born, great friend of mine. Uh Present he, company excluded. Oh, of okay. good. Well, <laughs> Susan saying. Ruth. He is Susan Ruth, you know. <laughs> but uh, I remember Bob telling me about these these two two songwriters used to write together, and then at one point I think they were breaking up, and or, or this is as I recall went something like this: Songwriter A says to B, "Hey, we should write a song um, about a soldier sending letters home from a war." And then, so A gives that idea to B, and then B goes ahead and does it, without A, and makes money. And A thinks, I'm entitled to half of it. No, you're not. That's just an idea. You could express it any way you want. What war? The Peloponnesian War? The Civil War in the uh, United States? Yeah. It's just someone, of course a soldier's going to write letters home from every war there's ever been. Yeah. You, you Chances are you love someone who's not in the war, and you wish you were with her or him. So you you know so that's the so the idea was hey, we should write songs from that point of view, okay, thousands can do it and sure. not infringe anybody
0: right it, and it's and's it's and there was funny, a lawsuit started over it. there was a lawsuit yeah,
1: I don't know what it beca- what became of it. it's absurd. I always use it as an example. this is dumb, and this is not understanding copyright that's that's an idea, yeah. and copyright protects the expression of an idea, yeah. and that's clearly stated in the law, and that's mm-hmm. just. Someone up to... I think that's just foolish. Somebody to up to
0: trying to find some yeah, cash it's somewhere.
1: That's it. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny
0: because in Nashville, and I'm sure maybe this happens in London and in New York and Los Angeles, but in Nashville, if you're in a movie theater, right, you're watching a movie and somebody... for Let's use Jerry Maguire as a great mm-hmm. example. Uh, you had me at hello. So when that line was spoken in Jerry Maguire... Show me the Chardonnay. Everybody... <laughs> when that line was spoken, seriously... A billion notepads came out of the woodwork and phones, and everybody wrote that down. And it was a race to who could who could write it fast enough. Now Kenny Chesney and Skip Ewing wrote it, and it was a number one song. You had me at hello. Um, but wow. just, but when I go to movies in this town, it cracks me up because without it without fail, somebody on screen will say something, and then people are like oh my god, write that down. So there that's somebody's saying it. Somebody wrote that. A screenwriter wrote it's, that line, and yet songwriters then take that line and write. As they should. Yeah. Like, like I,
1: I'll know someone's cool. Like, if if someone tells me, uh, you know, I like Stravinsky, or I like, here's, here's one no one knows. Jan Dismas Zelenka.
0: Now everybody knows.
1: Now they do. Zelenka. Z-E-L-E-N-K-A. The greatest damn unknown Baroque composer. He's so ridiculous ridiculously awesome if someone likes Zelenka you had me at Zelenka you know or whatever it is you know someone's a, someone's like okay look it I'm a Red Sox fan look at that wallet you know yeah it's got a big B on it yeah. so um you know that that's just that's a great line but it, why can't for it be badass? adapted <laughs> oh badass yes and that but you know, it's I, I can see why people do that. Yeah, and that's why copyright shouldn't be so restrictive as to protect small segments. The copyright they are very clear about this at the copyright office. The copyright you can't copyright a title, or a short phrase, or a slogan. Mm. Now you can trademark those things if you're doing business with those things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like if Taylor Swift sells these shirts that say "The Sick Beat," you sure as hell can use that as a lyric. Mm-hmm. You know, because she's not the first to say it either. Mm-hmm. And it's too short. It's just a short phrase. But don't make right. a t shirt with it. Right. <laughs> yeah. What Especially it? if yeah. it looks like her.
0: There was a um, an Etsy shop that was selling mugs. Do you remember this?
1: No, but I know some Etsy issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had. Etsy's
0: got a lot of stuff going on in there because yeah. a lot of people use phrases from songs or, or yeah. wherever and then they throw them on mugs and sell them. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a girl, um, a, a young woman, probably, I don't know, 19, 19, 19 20, whatever, who had taken some Taylor Swift lyrics and put them on mugs. And you know, Taylor Swift's lawyers yeah. caught wind of it and said, Oh, no 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 and did a mm-hmm. cease and desist. Yep. And uh, so she had to stop.
1: I get that too. She had to
0: cease and she had to desist.
1: <laughs> I, I I certainly understand that. I mean okay. Taylor Swift's corrected that way.
0: Yeah, because you know? she's this is an intellectual property yeah. that she and see this is
1: And it better be up to Taylor Swift's standards. But this when is she puts great. out if she put out a mug like that it would and be really of business, a great quality and stuff. Make
0: no Bones of bed, that woman is a genius at business and marketing. I I can see that. I mean, she is a genius. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has been, I think, probably since she was a kid. I did a recording, (laughs) a demo recording. I was riding with this guy. and, um, And he had worked with her when she was just a wee pip, you know, at 13. And he was telling me, he said, you know, he said... You never know what to expect when a 13-year-old girl is going to come in to make her demos on her songs. And he said <laughs> she came in and she knew what she wanted. She was going to take no bullshit from nobody. She held her ground. She held her own. Mm-hmm. You know, she knew exactly what she wanted. And you've got to respect that. Of course. Especially yeah. a female, especially a teenager. She knew, ex- And I think that that has held through her whole career oh,
1: she's uh, what she puts out is so well thought out and well done oh yeah, yeah.
0: she knows Terrific. what she's doing I sure.
1: saw her make one mistake what's that and I got in trouble for criticizing her but then she fixed it what is that she had this onerous terrible contract with photographers mm. who took photos of her that she had to own the copyright of them oh wow it's like no no you shouldn't be doing that and I, I got criticized by someone in that company yeah and I said look it. I'm on the right here. (laughs) If there's a group of people that had the least, you know, songwriters think they're not respected. And a lot of people think they're not respected, which (laughs) they're not. They're not. (laughs) But if there's a copyright that really means the less, the the least, and has the least amount of protection and weight, it's it's photography. photography. You know, Pinterest is nothing but Uh, the gigantic, the largest bed of copyright infringement that ever been created right. so when taylor swift or whoever in her company was saying now we're going to own your copyright in your photo that was too far yeah. and i was one of i think probably thousands who came out and said that's terrible and three days later she fixed it yeah and that went away well, and I, I should have been a that person should have apologized to me but didn't
0: i have but, a feeling i know who you're talking about <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I we know, will I'm not sorry.
0: say that person's thing <laughs> because they're very powerful um yeah, it's interesting. You know, I wish that all the lawyers and who band together to help protect copyright, I wish somehow they were able to go up against these huge, huge thieves, Spotify, and, you know, the Googles of the world and all that. So, and the YouTubes, all these people that... It's well, trickle-down economics. It doesn't work. And so the big fish are getting paid just fine, perhaps. But even, for example, I just listened to... Um, Steven Tyler was on Joe Rogan's po- podcast. It's an exceptional episode. It's really great. And he starts talking about as, what we all talk about as songwriters is that, you know, we get nothing. I had a one point when my Reba cut came out, uh, <laughs> Promise Me Love. Uh, it, I got a thing from Amazon Streams. It said something like 1.5 million streams, and I got a check for like a dollar 36. Mm-hmm. That's insane! I oh, know it's insane. Yeah, how are we supposed to survive? People want to consume creative content like crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, they pa- don't understand that somebody is actually on their side of that, creating that content that you want to sure. consume. Sure,
1: it's going to be hard to find the right kind of price because there's so many places to get it,
0: yeah. and a
1: stream. Especially if it's not on demand, uh, you know, w- what should it be worth? It's just hard to, it, I mean, I, I will think, I think also a lot of times, not in your case right here, but other times like, well, wait a minute, what's the record label keeping? Let's be really, really transparent. Oh, show, yeah. show where all the pennies go. For real. You'll never find that information. For real. Just like when you get music played on AM, FM, powerful stations, you get a check that's bigger than streaming.
0: That's and right. Trust your radio. Pays it much pays better. much more. Yeah. Of course, they
1: have a hundred-year head start, yeah. sure. <laughs> and they don't have the same amount of competition in the sure. same way. Yeah. So, because it's a different marketplace. I mean, one thing about the streaming is that it is going to be... It says this much per listener. So more listeners tune in, you, the money goes, goes up. Out. It's cal- it's provable. By
0: zero, zero, zero. I know. Well, that
1: part's got to get fixed, you <laughs> know. Insane. But I'm saying, like, like we're, it we're costs giving... It
0: them more to, st- to send me the letter on the
1: sure. stamp. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's nuts. Well, I mean, but we're giving... What I don't like is record labels and certain other people are getting a complete free pass. Oh, yeah. Also, streaming people have to pay many more people. They have to pay the performers. They have to pay the record label. AM-FM doesn't. So it's an unfair advantage. Yeah. Like, I want to say, let's make this all work correctly. We're like Iraq and Iran. No, Iraq and North Korea and, was it China? Four nations that won't pay the performer, you know? <laughs> and, and the sound recording owner and the backup singers yeah. so, on AMFM. So I think... It's I have to defend the the newbies, the streaming people, because they're starting way late and they're paying way more people.
0: It's getting. I mean, there are people on the hill trying to make oh, things yeah. better for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think in some cases it's a case of somebody was playing with matches and then started a forest fire that they just can't reel in.
1: It's yeah. It's you know what I mean. I mean, it's that's a complicated what, world. The, yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. And then also now, if we're talking metadata and,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and blockchain, everything like this, well, imagine Mm -hmm. having everyone share, first agree to all the right parameters that everyone agrees to, and all the proprietary information that ASCAP, BMI, or other people might have, that now has to become open, Mm
0: -hmm. and we can
1: all access it, and Mm -hmm. you can, I mean, Nice yeah. dream. Yeah,
0: that'll never happen. Yeah, yeah,
1: it'd be nice if it did, but
0: a lot of my songwriter friends and I joke that you know we just went into the music business on the wrong side. <laughs> we went in yeah. on the rebel on the rebel side, and we should have gone in on the evil empire side. <laughs> no, I <you> know it. <laughs> I much mean, much better deal. <laughs> I
1: make much more as an expert witness and a consultant than I ever did as a composer for orchestral music and string sure. quartets. Yeah, because I wasn't trying to. I didn't. I never even. It never occurred to me that I'd make money composing. I composed for different reasons. I composed based on a couple premises, like what if these things happened? And how come these things haven't happened? Yeah. So I'm not trying to please someone or make money. So I, I, But then, <laughs> then I, I signed with BMI. The, the vice president heard me speak and it took me out to eat and signed me. And I, what, so Jody... I no, this is years ago. Oh, His name was York, uh, James, James Roy. Oh, okay. I think it was New York. Yeah,
0: it was New York.
1: And um, I didn't... Well, suddenly I was getting, like, small checks, you know, under $1,000. But, like, hey, that's hey, pretty cool. money
0: is money. Yeah, like
1: for a string quartet being played in Europe and money stuff. Heck, and, yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, so... But what I'm getting at is, yeah, like, now I can charge so many hundreds of dollars per hour for something that's, you know... In other words, we pay we pay people. How do we ever? We don't value this is the big society kind of question. We don't value creators much. No. We surely don't value teachers. We value yeah. someone who can hit 45 home runs in a year. Sure. You would you would never insult someone who hits 45 home runs in a year. You'd be giving them the middle finger to give them $10 million a year. That's low and insulting.
0: Yeah. You Whereas need our 20 teachers million. should be paid three times as much, if yeah. not more. Yeah. It's, right. cra- it's a crazy system for oh, sure. Oh,
1: yeah. Well and again, it comes back um, to that oh I'm sorry, then no, the other, go ahead. then throw in all the songwriters who have I mean, right now the one of the great things that people in twenty eighteen have is you can. You don't need the big record label. You have access to the world. That's right. But so don't the other 50 million writers. That's right. You know? And some
0: of my friends say, well, if we just stopped writing songs altogether, that would show. I'm like, well, it's. It, guess what? There's hundreds of thousands of songs <laughs> in their catalogs already. I That's think right. They're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. They're fine in perpetuity. They're doing fine.
1: That's right. Do you
0: think, and this is of course conjectured, would Marvin Gaye have sued? For blurred lines, God no, I see, I don't Stevie think so Wonder either. wouldn't
1: either. No, that's the thing. This is a pet peeve of mine, and boy, do I get mad about this. I, this, this just has me furious. I've yet to meet copyright heirs who are decent people.
0: Yeah, huh? I'll
1: put it that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can point fun and in, in point to the Marvin, uh, the Martin Luther King estate. That god-awful Ram truck commercial they had in the Super Bowl.
0: That's right.
1: And someone did a brilliant parody of it, of it within a few hours.
0: Yeah.
1: It's perfect. Martin Luther King, don't take his words for that. You yeah. know, I, I think... It
0: was so to, disrespectful. To me, Martin
1: Luther King, I put on a pedestal Absolutely. right up there with, with Lincoln and Washington. I really do. His heirs, no. Marvin Gaye's heirs, oh, come on. Right. You're good at calling lawyers. You know, initiating lawsuits. I meet more just low-life heirs. And they're filthy rich. And they they can't do anything but live off of what our government provides for them. I think copyright term's too damn long. That's another issue. The
0: copyright term? Yeah. Life
1: plus 70?
0: Yeah, life plus 70. It's supposed
1: to be an incentive to create. And you don't create when you're dead. But you're supposed to look out for the family. Well, why for 70 years?
0: Yeah, and I know some songwriters that put their kids on their copyright. Like, yeah. their infant children so that the copyright lasts longer. Which I
1: think is... That's,
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah, the people who cheat on food stamps, I've heard of those. Those are, like, mythical people. But, yeah, I mean, why would you say a 75-year-old co-wrote with a 3-year-old? I mean, that's...
0: Right, but, that's but I know it happens. Good. Oh, it's I know. Yeah. But I
1: think that's that's uh, abusing the taxpayers.
0: What... Um, what <clears throat> just Sort of goes backwards, I suppose, to everything we've talked about. But at what point did that become the standard? There was a wasn't there was there a lawsuit that well, said, Well, life
1: plus 70? Yeah, I was on the side <laughs> trying to say that that was uh, not it was it was uh, unconstitutional because in the constitution it says in, in article one with the, the powers of the legislature the legislature has the power to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing to authors and inventors the exclusive rights to their respective writings and discoveries. But it says for limited times. And they first meant 14 years. Then they had to be talked into renewing it for 14. So it was 28 years. Hmm. So you had a monopoly protected by the government for 28 years. That's morphed into your lifetime plus 70 years. And plus you put your three-year-old great-grandson. you know, yeah. <laughs> So you, you, you're now riding another 100 years out of something that shouldn't have happened.
0: Now you just were a part of something that released a... a- some music into the public domain.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Can, you can I, talk about that I'm a little bit? I'm proud of this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I was the expert witness for the uh, firm that sued over We Shall Overcome. We Shall Overcome should never have been under copyright.
0: And why is that?
1: Well, because you can't find who wrote it. <laughs> you can't say, like, okay, happy birthday. These are the two lawyers I work, I'm i working with still, they're the ones who sued Warner Chapel over Happy Birthday. Because so
0: somebody owned the copyright to Happy to Birthday. To Happy Birthday, yeah. And it was yeah. Warner Chappell, but o- somebody, Eventually they wrote owned back, it. Right? Two
1: sisters wrote it, I think, in 1893. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't get registered with the U.S. Copyright Office till 1935. Now, that's a bit suspicious. Mm. So these lawyers and some others, uh, Robert Brownice of, I think, George Washington University Law School, and some researchers dug into it. And found out, it's like copyright creep. Well, who owns what? Well, I guess eh, we keep saying we own it, we own it. And next thing you know, then it was Sammy Company. And Warner Chapel got a hold of it at some point. They owned and it. And made
0: millions and oh, millions yeah. and millions. of You don't think about this. Something like happy birthday. Yeah. And it's actually making some company a shit ton of money. But not anymore. It has got released. Thanks, not-
1: thankfully, yeah. I'm very, very proud to work with these guys. And so then we, we, um, there was a lawsuit initiated over We Shall Overcome because you couldn't find one creator of it. I, I traced the music to the 1780s from Italy. It's a, it became a, a song called O Sanctissima. And Beethoven even said it in around 1815. And then there's other people who, who did music like it. Uh, from the late 1800s and then early 1900s. And the words can be traced to the early 1900s. And so what, what they end up claiming, according to the judge, they were, I'll, I won't get into too many details, uh, um, but I can say this, that she bought our argument that um, the company that owned it was saying, well, here it is, and we've, we, you can take public domain material and what you change to it, you own. So, like I mentioned, uh, Eric Common of The Raspberry taking the Rachmaninoff, adding words to it. Now he owns it. He owns the words. So, they changed will to shall. It was we will overcome became we shall overcome. And deep down in my hat became deep, or deep in my heart" became down in my hat. So, they changed will to shall and deep to down, or well, the other way around. That's not, co- that's not a copyrightable contribution to it. So, it was faulty to own copyright in I mean that's the real thumbnail sketch. What happens of
0: it. to all that money that had been collected over the years? Does <laughs> they get reimbursed? Well,
1: that's what's being discussed now. I'm not involved in that.
0: Did Warner Chapel have to cough up some the change? A,
1: they had to pay some money. Yeah, yeah. one figure was 15 million dollars. Holy moly! Yeah, and this one's not determined yet. When it is, I think it'll make news. Yeah. And I know that that process of speaking is going on right now too.
0: Interesting.
1: we're also trying to set free uh, This Land is Your Land. Ah. That everyone associates with Woody Guthrie. Well, as you
0: say, Guthrie, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the, what we know and sing are the, are the great words Woody Guthrie added to that song. But it's, it wasn't his music. Mm. It was an old hymn that goes by the name Fire or When the World's on Fire. And it's public domain. And the Carter family recorded it in nineteen thirty. So and then there's a technical thing involved. Under the old act, the nineteen oh nine act, you had to renew your copyright, you had to send it to Washington or publish it. You had to have a copyright symbol on it. That's the old law, that no longer exists. So but it was written by Woody Guthrie in nineteen forty. He published it in 45, means that he offered it for sale. It was nine songs and a booklet for twenty-five cents. And then 1956, it got registered with the Copyright Office. So you got three years, 1940, 45 of publication, 56 of registration. 28 years after that, mm-hmm. you have to renew it. Well, 28 years after which? Mm. And they thought it was 28 years after when it was registered. So that well, I would thought have it would
0: been, be creation.
1: No, it's publication.
0: Ah, oh, interesting. So
1: to, they should have renewed it 28 years after 1945, is 1973, so they didn't. They only renewed it in 1984. So we're claiming, among other things, that it's been public domain since 1974. So they should never have received a penny from anybody. Huh. So
0: okay. <laughs> we'll I bet you're on happens. some enemy lists.
1: Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that those two companies don't care for me a whole lot. Yeah,
0: I was, was going to say. <laughs> so in your work that you've done, uh, what's the oldest recorded... Uh, thievery. I mean, how far back have you gone in your in your discovery where you've been? Holy crap! That was.
1: Oh oh, I see. Um, well, it might be. I mean, one of the ones. If you know, Paul Simon's "An American Tune." Mm-hmm. Da da yeah. da 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 da. And it was used by <laughs> in the film uh, "Bernie" with featuring Jack Black. And, um, that's a great it's, movie. It's, oh, it's way. wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's everyone associates that with Bach. Well, Paul Simon made a hit of it. Peter, Paul, and Mary, his was 1974, I think. Peter, Paul, and Mary in 1966, along with Dave Brubeck, took that same melody, same chords, and did a beautiful song. They called it uh, Because All Men Are Brothers. It's this real humanistic, liberal, good song like that. Just like Paul Simon's is humanist and liberal as well. But it comes from Bach, but no, Bach took it. It comes from Hans Leo Hassler. decades earlier who probably took it from elsewhere too. So you always can trace you not always but you often can trace things way back.
0: I just picture you in like dusty basements with strange <laughs> musical instruments hanging no. on the walls. You... They're
1: in my Mac. Oh yeah, you were gonna yeah.
0: play. So yeah. just, just as you know, I don't want to take up all your time, but just uh, play. You said that you had brought some stuff that you could play for us. Yeah. That was um, an example, which I think would be so fun. Yeah.
1: Let me. Uh, to
0: hear. Actually,
1: I could probably get to the phone faster. Let me see. What's it? It'll sound better out of this though.
0: Yeah, whatever me, whatever works for you. And in the yeah. you know, in the magic of editing, I can always cut out oh, this okay. so it seems like no time has gone by whatsoever.
1: I know. I have really enjoyed this. <laughs> uh, even if it's hot.
0: It is warm. My but, apologies. But the I'm plants with, like it. Though.
1: I'm with Susan. Ruth. at the position on. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. It's turning on. It's one of these new
0: Ooh, that's Macs fancy it does. Mac. Yeah. I like the colour, that purpley colour.
1: It's kind of cool. Isn't it's like it?
0: purple silver, or maybe that's because my room is painted orange, oh, is it? <laughs> and it makes things look purple because it's the opposite of orange.
1: And you're getting a new studio, or something tomorrow. Downstairs,
0: right? yeah. I'm that's exciting. Very excited about that. Yeah,
1: let me get to. I'll get to my iTunes.
0: So, what are you going to be playing for us? Um,
1: I'm going to take. This was a case I was involved in, and I've even forgotten who it was involving. The point is way more important than anything.
0: It so, always is.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the music that's cool, you know. It says, yeah, I can't connect to the store. No kidding, I don't want to. I want to go to... I can
0: tell you my internet password. Oh, okay. If you need Tell it. the
1: world, too. No, no. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> let's see if I can find this fast. So I, and I do this with, like, tons of songs. Um, let me get to three, four, three, four, three, two, one. I have it arranged by key. When you play them by key, they sound even more like
0: the melodies are all the same
1: yeah mm-hmm. okay all right and they're not infringing
0: because question, why
1: because it's expected that some pitches just have to follow each other mm-hmm. you know why I,
0: so many notes you mean yeah
1: and it oh. happens to make sense like like if we looked at what we said today in print we're both going to have said some of the same cliches that other people have said sure and you have to do that because otherwise you don't have communication yeah. Like, we don't want music to be 100% original. We probably want it to be 5 or 10% original, but in the midst of stuff we're comfortable with. Yeah. So And we
0: have a particular uh, melody pattern, right? If you were in India, where they have half notes and, you know, half tones or whatever, where there's... There's mm-hmm. more in their scale than there is in the American and English scale. Yeah.
1: We stick to, there's 12 different notes, but you usually only use about six or seven. Yeah, and in country, you only use three, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so here's, a, so I'm going to compare the Beatles, Julian Lennon, Backstreet Boys, Buck Owens, and I'll go on. So, Beatles. Three,
0: four, three, two, one. Backstreet Boys.
1: Backstreet Boys. Playing games with my heart. Buckbones. I
0: sleep for everybody.
1: The police. Every every Dear mama of Tupac.
0: Tupac. On, Dear mama. And again. There's yeah. no one on but asleep.
1: rain drops
0: are falling on my head.
1: Dixie chicks. Stevie. Give it since
0: tell all the people that you see
1: this <laughs> not here. You right here. <laughs> Beach boys. Go Colin Ray. Let's sue Marvin Gay. Marvin Gaye stole it. <laughs> Martina McBride. Three. Four. Three, two, one. Elvis Costello.
0: Elvis
1: Costello. Same. Bee Gees. Fa- Faith Hill, Tim McGraw? I was just going to
0: say, it sounded just like Faith Hill, Tim McGraw's song. Yeah. Like John Rich wrote this. Yeah? he? Yeah. He
1: yeah, obviously copied from all these other people. How about I Don't Know How to Love Him? From, from uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Then this. I, I'm involved in this. Adam's.
0: And Is he being sued right
1: now? I was involved in a case where he was. We, we won it. Yeah. It was kept quiet, but we kicked their ass. Uh,
0: Against or for him?
1: I was for him. He was being sued. It was stupid. Okay. Yeah. And then Hank Williams. I say. Neil Young. Over and over and over. So that's just for, wow. that's just one motive. I got many, many of them. That's you know? incredible. I got, I have really many, many thousands of these. So
0: you'd be fun to take on a game show where you have that Shazam <laughs> game show. We would kill. Want, we should uh, buy that show with a let's, million dollars. I want, I
1: want to see it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd
0: be awesome. But see,
1: whenever I hear music, it's like, oh, damn. You know, so I goes into, I speak it to my phone. And I go, I'll put this in one of my databases later.
0: Yeah. Can you, when you hear a new song that comes out, do you think, oh, that's going to get...
1: Oh, I know where the melodies are coming from. But
0: I'm just, can you tell that somebody's going to sue somebody? Somebody done somebody wrong some? Well,
1: yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll know what what it could be a problem for. Yeah. Yeah. And then I often, you know, okay, nah, the call's coming or something. Yeah. I
0: feel like these lawsuits are going on all the time, unbeknownst to people in general.
1: Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't worry. Like, all these are great songs, and no one copied from each other. They're all the exact same pitches with about the same rhythm, even.
0: Yeah. And they're mid-tempo. in the chorus,
1: even, Yeah. usually. So what? It yeah. has to happen. It's we the shouldn't The foundation be that. of
0: country music is mid-tempo and five, <laughs> mm-hmm. five notes. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I mean I've got these, I mean I have days and days, months and months of these wow, kinds of things.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So I can call
1: up like any, almost any kind of melody.
0: Yeah.
1: And find it. Like this the, is
0: just fascinating. Michael, can you talk about really quick before we sign off about the MOOC project, or is that just for? Oh, Brooklyn? the MOOC. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh MOOC. I'm sorry. That's okay. I thought MOOC was the I piano know. player.
1: MOOC, <laughs> M-O-O-C, Massive Open Online Course. Yeah, I'm finishing. Like tonight, after some more Chardonnay, I've got one more question to go, one case study. I'm I'm creating Berkeley's uh, music, what's it called? Copyright Law in the Music Industry, their massive open online course of that, their MOOC.
0: So people can take them from anywhere.
1: Yeah, you can take it from anywhere. As far as I know, at one level, it's free to take it. And then if you want credit, you pay something and you take tests. I mean, I'm not sure how that all works, but... Uh, yeah, it's for Berkeley is doing it with Coursera, mm-hmm. who are the world leaders in that stuff, and I'm just about finished with it.
0: That's so cool! I love the open source education system. is wonderful.
1: Oh, isn't it great? Yeah, yeah.
0: it's fantastic. I'm yeah. uh, studying. I'm studying for the GRE, ah. and uh, and so I've just gone on YouTube because math and I we have a long distance relationship, <laughs> and so I'm refreshing things like. You know, radiuses and tangents and you don't know, don't
1: you want to drive somewhere into the country, way south of here, and have to n- note the hypotenuse and right. uh, figure
0: out how fast cosine that train is going. tangent yes, sign and exactly. <laughs> 40. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. but it's great because all that stuff is online. I can I can that's cool watch math people tell me about math.
1: That's real. Of course, good. I can't
0: talk back and forth with them, but it's 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 an interesting way to learn. Mm-hmm. It goes into your brain in different places, and so. I think it's great that oh, you're yeah. doing that. MOOC. M-O-O-K?
1: M-O-O-C. Massive Open Online Course. I'm it say, stands for...
0: M-O-O-C.
1: Massive Open Online Course. Got yeah.
0: it. Very
1: and, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a big honor that Berkeley asked me because they could have asked many, anyone almost. Yeah.
0: Now, and uh, you have a
1: website where people yeah. can find you? Yeah, it's com, And if you forget that, uh, one day the three words came up. Copyrightandmusic.com. Uh, spell them out correctly. How did you and get that. It, it became available. My friend told me, called me, said, You want it? I said, Yes, let's buy it quick.
0: Copyrightandmusic.com. Yeah. All right. That's me. Perfect. Michael, thank you so much. Oh, thank much you, for Susan. This is great. Human. Super fun.
1: Oh, it's a big honor for me and a great pleasure.
0: Uh, I learned a lot. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs>